0: Running away from people now 20 10 and gone Moniel 67 yard touchdown run I've got reporters <laughs> notebooks older than Seth. <laughs> 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 soaring through the air high flying
1: Slovakian. Fancy was always uh, soft.
2: Can't uh, win uh, uh, on the road they say.
0: Devito pop pass end zone touchdown and the ball game Devito in relief wins it for the Oregon
3: This is Orange Nation, brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning, with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Week two of the great New York State Fair continues, as Countdown to Kickoff continues for the SU football team, four days away now from the season opener on the road at Liberty. Hello, everyone. Stephen Fonte alongside Seth Goldberg. Jam-packed show for you today. Three guests lined up. We've got Stephen Bailey, SU football beat writer from Syracuse.com, set to join us in about 20 minutes from now. At the top of the next hour, right up at 1 o'clock, the Hall of Famer Floyd Little, as we'll talk to Floyd every week throughout the college football season. And then at 1.20, uh, we're scheduled to have SU basketball assistant coach Jerry McNamara on to talk some hoops here in the off season, Your phone calls welcome. In the meantime at 315-437-7644. And of course, Seth, we're going to open the show with football. And this is year four under Dino Babers, as we know. The first three years, you looked at this team and you said, what's the key to the season? The key is the offense. If they can outscore the opponent, they're going to win a lot of games. And here we come into 2019, year four under Dino Babers. And the key to this season is still the offense, but it's not necessarily looked at as outscoring the opponent so much as it it is can they score enough and let the defense and special teams do their thing to win games
1: right and this year the defense is so much better you know what the special teams are as an accomplished unit um, the offense has to now pull their weight and I think we've heard Dino Baber say that from time uh, time and again this year where hey the defense is the strongest unit on this team and that's not to say the offense is the weakest unit um, it's just the not as strong unit as I think the two of us have liked to say um, you know it's not as good as where this this special team sits because the special teams is what top five in the country the defense is really good this year um, you know and and should be really good given the depth on the, the defensive line and in the defensive backfield. So they should be really strong. And then the offense is there. You know what the offense can do. You know that they can score points or you think that they can score points. You know that the scheme will get the points and yardage available. It's now up to the players to go ahead and, and, and fulfill that.
3: You, you said it right there and, and Dino Babers, when I, I sat down with him uh, last week for our, our one-on-one for News Channel 9, he, he, he said exactly that. He said The defense is the strength of the team, and the offense has to catch up, and and I'll sign up for that. And and the reason that he says that is because we know that the offensive scheme works. You you touched on it right there, Seth. The offensive scheme works. It's proven to work every place that he's been. It's proven
1: to work here with lesser talent.
3: Right, and you've got a ton of talent. you just got a new guy running the show and and a, a different offensive line. So, you know, we'll get to that in a moment. But you look at this defense. We saw it last year. So good, so talented, and they're better this year. We saw the special teams last year. So good a year ago. They're even better this year. They've got everybody back in a, a year older and a, and a year better. Sterling Hofrichter. Andre Schmidt and, and on down the line. And, and you've got a couple of great returners, too. Sean Riley leading the way. Nikeem Johnson's going to get in uh, on the return game this year as well. We learned that yesterday when Dino Babers released the depth chart. The key to this season, just like the first three, is the offense, but it's different. Can they score enough points? Can they click in time? You said yesterday it might take them two, three, four games to click. The problem is that you have your biggest game of the season in, in week three. Right. So can they click in time for the Clemson game? That remains to be seen. The, the question this week, though, is... Will they click enough to take care of Liberty on the road? I think the answer is yes. Will they click enough next week on the road at Maryland? Again, on paper, the answer is yes. we got to see Tommy DeVito now go out and do that.
1: Yeah, look, I, I think that they will click enough to win this weekend. I, I, I'm not too concerned about that one. Um, let me see this weekend, and I, I feel like you're probably in the same boat. Let me see this weekend to see where they are, if I feel like they've clicked enough to go beat Maryland on the road. Um I, I'm going to say that I I think that they'll probably in the, be in that position. They'll probably be in that position where you feel good going into that Maryland game. But again, as we've talked about, you're on the road. You're playing a Power 5 team. Um, you know, it's it's a game that you could get tripped up in. So let's see what they look like this weekend. But look, it's a lot of it's going to be on Tommy DeVito's shoulders because he's the guy who's got to make this offense go. Um, and we've seen little bits and pieces, and there's been a lot to like in those little bits and pieces. There's been a lot not to like in those bits and pieces from him so far. You know,
3: we've been talking about expectations and projections. I've said I think this team's winning nine games. I, I, I don't want to speak for you, but you've said eight or nine games is, is your sweet spot. We had Stephen Bailey on the the television version of Orange Nation last night. He said 9-3. and three. Darius Joshua, my co-host on that show, said 9-3. and three. A lot of people are thinking 8, 9, 10 wins this year is, is very realistic, very possible given what they did last year. A lot of that, though, is based on reputation, right, for Tommy DeVito because you look at the, the numbers that he put up last year. His numbers are pedestrian. He had four touchdown passes, three picks. He completed less than 51% of his passes pedestrian numbers appeared in eight games he really he he played a lot in four and and they were split right down the middle right you you go with the the good florida state and north carolina played very well played great against north carolina florida state did enough to win the game Western Michigan and Notre Dame, not so much. Didn't play well against Western Michigan to the point where Western Michigan started to make a run. You had to put Eric Dungey back in the game to seal the deal. And then Notre Dame, that was just an off off day for everyone. And, and that's a tall order to, to throw him into the mix like that and say, here, go, you know, go keep us in this game or go win us this game. Against a team that went to the college football playoff. Right. So, again, I, I understand it. But when you look at, at his stats across the board, rather pedestrian stats. We're predicting 8, nine, ten wins based on reputation. We know this kid has a cannon for an arm. Yep. We've seen glimpses of greatness. But is he going to be that right off the bat? I doubt it. I, I firmly believe there's going to be a transition period with him. And that doesn't mean that he's not going to turn into a great quarterback or maybe even better than Eric Dungy was. The, the offense may... Maybe even better down the road. But I think initially there's going to be a transition period. I think there is going to be some some growing pains for him as the guy. We have yet to see him as the starting quarterback, and it's different. Regardless of what everybody wants to say, it's different.
1: Yeah, and look, the reality is... Uh, not only is it different to be a starting quarterback, but Steve, this team goes as far as Tommy DeVito goes. Uh, you know, when we had Julian Wigman, I, I think that he kind of phrased it perfectly, right? Uh, you can only go so far if your defense is very good and your offense is below average. We're not talking about being carried by a great defense, right? You're talking about being carried by uh, a very good defense. Uh, because, And he said it. He was like, I was on some of those teams. Three of his four years, they had a very good defense, and the offense could do absolutely nothing. So, yeah, there's a lot of that going on here. Like, this team only goes as far as Tommy DeVito takes them, because I do think Tommy DeVito is kind of the uh, the pivot point of this offense. If he's really good, the offense will be really good. If he's not really good, the offense isn't going to be as good, and I think that that can become problematic.
3: And, and it does go hand-in-hand hand with the offensive line, right? I mean, the offensive line's going to have to give him time to operate, and, you know, the offensive line is going to have to be good enough to hold off the pass rush so that they can do their damage through the air and open up holes in the ground game. And, and so we know that, that, that some of Tommy DeVito's success will be predicated on can the offensive line do its job and and will the offensive line do its job. Uh, Dino Babers addressed Tommy DeVito yesterday. A few questions were asked at, at his weekly press conference. Uh, we're going to get to those now. And, and, and one of the questions was about the, the playing time that he got last year. No doubt that the fact that he appeared in eight games, I think that's only going to help him. It's not like he was a redshirt and then he sat behind Eric Dungy and never saw the field. Again, he played in two-thirds of the games, or almost two-thirds of the games last year. And he and played
1: meaningful he snaps did.
3: in about four of them. In four of them, right. And we went over those. The Florida State game, North Carolina game, good. Western Michigan, Notre Dame, not so good. All right, here's Dino Babers, though, on the, the playing experience and how that, that will help him going into
0: 2019. This young man, I, I think he has an opportunity to be good, but he's going to have to... He's going to have to go through some things. You know, like the, uh, the Notre Dame game, he went through something. Then you had the Florida State, the NC State. He's going to have to go through those, those game experiences that you develop. And as he develops those experiences, he won't be fooled again. You, know, you, you fool really good quarterbacks one time. And then the second time you try to fool them with the same thing, they burn you.
3: And so that that process has already started, Seth. We saw the process start last year, and this team and this offense is going to be better for it going into 2019, that he already has some of those those experiences under his belt. And frankly, it, it's it's a positive that he had good experiences and bad experiences last year because he's, he's tasted both, and he knows how to bounce back from bad performances and shake off bad plays, and he, he also tasted some success, has some confidence, and knows that he can do it at a high level.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that Florida State game was early in the year. It wasn't too far removed moved from when he played against western michigan you know and and that western michigan stretch was really bad you know it, it was not a good stretch of play uh for tommy devito but he bounced back a couple of weeks later and and he played well against florida state i think that's important i, I think it's important that um you know he came in and, and came in cold essentially uh in that unc game and and played really well and then yeah you know what in, in his last significant playing time of the year he took some lumps um not the worst thing in the world right to, to really get knocked around it, you you know what you got to do to be better against those teams. I think that both, like you said, and I think Dino said this as well. I think that both sets and ranges of experience uh, will help him out this year.
3: Yeah, it, the Florida State game was just two weeks removed from Western Michigan. Western Michigan was the opener. Then they played Wagner, and he got in against Wagner. Everybody played well against Wagner. It was Wagner. It was, it was Wagner. Was Sixty-two right. to seven. And then, as you said, Eric Dungey goes out with that mysterious injury again. I don't know if we'll ever know what what happened on that day. Whether you it was ask him. something in his I- Yeah, we we might ask him. All Uh, We're going to be talking with him uh, before every home game On the quad this year Um, I don't know if we'll ever know what what happened If it was an eye injury, you know, the the report afterwards Is he had something in his eye Whether it was head or shoulder Who who knows what it was But in any event, Tommy DeVito went in there Had to win him that game Uh, You know the defense won them that game. I mean, the defense gave up seven points to the Seminoles, and they were in the backfield all game long. But Tommy DeVito and the offense did just enough, and that relates back to, to what Dino told me last week about that particular game that – You know, he realized the defense was so dominant that field goals were good enough. They didn't have to get touchdowns. Field goals were good enough in that game because the defense was was so good. Right? Par was good enough to see. You're you're (laughs) learning. You're catching catching on. on. You're catching on. (laughs) Par was good enough to win that day. Um, And and that's the kind of defense that you have this year. There are going to be days when your defense is on. Your defense forces turnovers, and you don't necessarily need to score 45 points in order to outscore your opponent. And, And that's why I think if you could pick between the two. You know the first 3 years it was the offense has to outscore the opponent today and now it's will the offense score enough because you know your defense and special teams are good you would pick that every day of the week because you can win you can win for a variety of ways you don't need your offense to play its A game every day to to win you can have your B or B plus game and, and your defense and special teams can do enough to get you over the hump.
1: Yeah, and there'll be days where your defense isn't quite right. as good. Exactly. And, and you're going to need a little bit more from your offense. It's, it's kind of a give and take. And, and that might be, be the, the Clemson game. game. <laughs> right. right. I mean, yeah.
3: Clemson is so, you know, Trevor Lawrence and that offense is so, so explosive. Good. You're going to have to score a lot of points that day in order to win or, or in order to have a chance even, to win.
1: Even if your defense plays well, you'll right? probably have to yes. score a lot of points. Um, and, and, you know, I think that it was really interesting what Dino said there uh, yesterday. Uh, good quarterbacks don't get fooled again and, and i think that's a really interesting thing so dean uh, so tommy devito plays uh against unc and there's probably a handful of things that you could take away from playing well in that especially given the situation uh tommy devito comes in and plays poorly against N- notre dame um I would imagine and maybe this is a question for mike lynch when we have him on throughout the season at some point i would imagine though that the coaching staff would tell you there's more to learn from that performance and from that game um and to dino's point if tommy devito really is that good if tommy devito really is a really good quarterback uh he's not going to get fooled by some of the same stuff that notre dame was doing he's going to see it at the line of scrimmage he's going to see it when he drops back and he's going to say you know what been here before right and, and it's gonna be kind of a like a, a reflex and he's gonna say I've done this before I can get past this I, I'm good I, I can I can beat this kind of a defense um, and that's the thing that I that, that we haven't seen yet you know we'll see it soon enough, whether it's Liberty or Maryland or Clemson, we'll see it soon enough, but we haven't seen that reaction yet.
3: I think you learn a lot against good opponents and good defenses, and so, yes, I think he learned a lot from the Notre Dame game. I think he learned a lot from Florida State and North Carolina as well, because oh, sure. it's they're good opponents, you have to go in, and I think you learn from having success, you also learn from having failure, and he had a taste of both, and, and really... Uh, an equal taste of both, right? He had two games he was great in, two games not so good, um, and then some mop up duty and others. And, and so I, I think that, that he had a lot of, a lot of experience that he can apply to this year, both the, the good and, and the bad. Let's get one more comment here from, from Dino Babers from yesterday. And, and obviously we know the quarterback position is a, is a leadership position. And so the, the topic of Tommy DeVito and, and how he's going to lead this offense came up. And, and Dino, I thought had a great answer about, tommy
0: devito being the leader of this offense when you look on the offensive side of the ball and you see guys like mo neal mo neal is like a quarterback on the football field. that guy's been through so much it's his senior year he knows it inside and out chris elmore are you kidding me the guy knows four positions and that's not even counting the defensive side of the position you know so there's a lot of leaders on there but people have a tendency to look at the quarterback because he touches the ball all the time tommy devito will do a fantastic job leading but he does not have to lead the offense by himself.
3: Great point by Dino. He doesn't have to do it by himself. A lot of talent on that side of the ball. A lot of guys who have played meaningful snaps on that side of the ball. He doesn't have to do it alone. You know, maybe junior year and senior year, he is the leader of the offense, but right now he's going to get a little bit of help, and he's got guys who can help him.
1: Yeah, and I, the thing that I thought was interesting, and, and you know, just something that we keep hearing these the same kind of points from Dino and, and from some of the players as well, Uh but he said Mo Neal at running back is like a quarterback on the field. How many times did we hear that last year about Dante Strickland? Yep. And and that was a really important piece and it's, you know, a reason maybe why Dante Strickland is still hanging around with with the Arizona Cardinals through their camp. Um, you know, you might not have thought that he was going to to stick this long, but he has. And and you know, I think that some of those skills are really important. In Syracuse's offense, the running back is the one who who uh calls out the protections. The running back is the one who talks to the offensive line um, and detects some of the blitzes and things like that. So I think that it's really important to have that guy. And if Dino says, hey, Mo Neal, he's experienced, he's a quarterback out on the field, that that should point to good things for the offense.
3: Let's go to the phone lines. We've got Chuck in Cicero joining us here on the show. Hey, Chuck.
0: Hey, guys. Uh, I just want to talk about the last year's um, scoring average. Uh, I think we averaged over 40 points a game last year. With the defense that we have this year, you know, potentially much better, do you think that they can be as good as they were last year and average under 30 points a game this year? That's
3: an interesting point, Chuck. Um, I, I don't know because we haven't seen it. I would say there's a, there's a chance they can have. So essentially you're saying they'll, they'll keep the opponent to, to less points and they won't need to score 40 in order to win. Right. I think it's possible. I I, I will say this, though. I still expect this offense to put up big numbers. I still expect this offense to score a lot of points. And when you look at who they play in the non-conference with the Western Michigans and Liberties and Holy Crosses of the world, I think you're going to put up a ton of points against those guys. So I do think the average is still going to be, I don't know, 35-plus. I'm just kind of taking a stab at it.
1: Yeah, Um, I think you'll still have a high scoring average. Uh, Are they going to be able to win games where they – don't score as much, I think is the ultimate question, and I think the answer to that is yes. Um, Last year we talked about this, and I think we talked about it more so the year before, where the magic number was essentially 27, and if they got to 27, they were going to win, and if they didn't get to 27, they weren't going to win. I don't think that that your number is that high this year, Uh, you know, if that makes sense. I don't don't think that you've got to get to four touchdowns this year uh, to win a game, because I think the defense will be better than it has been last year and the year before.
0: Yeah, that's. I'm just hoping they can win some, you know, low-scoring games. If they don't put up a lot of points, somebody's, you know, good against them. The the defense can hang them into a game.
3: Yeah, I, and I, I appreciate you checking in, uh, Chuck. And yeah, I've got the stats right in front of me. They average he, he's right on the money, Seth. He, they averaged 40.2 points uh, last year per game opponents average 27. That was the 27 number that that we came up with, that if if you got to 30, you won. Now, some of that is you scored 55 against Western Michigan, 62 against Wagner. You're going to have some of those games, you know, 54 against a a really poor Louisville team last year. You're going to have some of those games this year where you score a a ton of points. So I don't think they're going to average below 30 points. Um, But if the question is can they win games with their defense, I think absolutely. I mean, you look at at some of these teams, like like Pitt and BC, they both... Kind of, sort of, still play a Big East style of football. Can you win that game thirty to twenty-seven? Sure. Absolutely. You know, or thirty to twenty-one, whatever the case may be. But, um, you might,
1: but you're going to put up a lot of points on Holy Cross. Uh, Louisville is still a mess, so you'll probably put up a bunch of points on them. Uh, you very well could put up a ton of points this weekend. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if if their defense is made up of a lot of it, former FCS players, you could put up a lot of points on Liberty. Uh, you could put points up on Western Michigan. We saw that last year. So that's all of a sudden four games already where you you know you can match some of the point totals and what was it last year it's not like they were scoring uh 50 points a game i mean they scored 50 points i think four times last year but it's not like they it's not like they were doing that consistently so if you do it four times all of a sudden your scoring average gets pulled up and up and up they scored a
3: lot of points last year i mean they yeah, they did. Um, yes,
1: you know. The, I mean, they set records. They did. Th- they did things scoring wise that they had never done in the history. The of The Notre Dame
3: game right. kind of brought it down, right? I mean, they scored three against Notre Dame. They they scored a lot of points last year.
1: But they, I mean, they had never scored fifty points so many times in the right, season. I know it's one of the numbers. Right,
3: right. They put up gaudy numbers. I, I don't expect them to to average forty points per game this year. But yeah, I think they're going to average thirty five plus. I do expect, and maybe I'm way off base here. I expect the Clemson game to be high scoring. Um, I just I think that Clemson's offense is obviously explosive with Trevor Lawrence back, and let's not forget last year he got knocked out of the game. I, I think Clemson's going to put up a lot of points because they're that good, and I think Syracuse is going to, you know, hold some things back in these first two games. They're going to have some surprises. We know they've got tons of talent on the offensive side of the football. Um, I think they'll find a way to put up their fair share of points. I think that's going to be an exciting game. So,
1: five to four. 5-4 <laughs> to one. That's the that's final? final? Yeah. Five, five to four. After that, you got us all hyped up, it's going to be all offense. 5-4. to four. That's not
3: happening. <laughs> that's not happening. But uh, could I see both teams scoring 30-plus points in that game? I could. Um, yeah. And maybe that's too much to ask of Tommy DeVito in this offense. Um, you know, it's going to be his first really big start. I mean, he's, he's starting on the road at Liberty in Maryland. It's it's certainly going to be his first start at home. It's going to be his first start against a really good team. Uh, I I just... It might be a lot to ask. I think they're going to score a lot of points, though, in that game.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised.
3: All right, we're going to take a timeout. We've got uh, Stephen Bailey set to join us on the other side of the break, SU football beat writer for Syracuse.com. He was on the season premiere of the Orange Nation TV show last night, gave us a prediction of ten wins, or nine wins, nine and three, and then go into a bowl game. Uh, I'll, I'll say ten. I'll say that he thinks they're going to win the bowl game. But we'll, we'll ask him on the other side of the break for his predictions. We'll break down the season with Stephen Bailey next. Keep it air Orange Nation just getting started on ESPN Radio. On Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Pick and Pull of Auburn and by Mattress Express, home of the number bed by Instant Comfort, as we bring on our producer, Tommy Hogan, once again. What do you have for us in today's business, Tommy? So it's something
2: that we get calls for all the time during basketball season, and it's will Syracuse switch to -to man-to-man. And Jeff Goodman let these fans eat it up, I guess, a little bit. So he tweeted out uh, on Beheim on whether he'll play a significant amount of man-to-man defense after playing about 15 minutes per game on the Italy trip. And Jim Boeheim said, quote, I think we'll play some man this year, especially in the non-conference, and see how it goes, end quote. What do you, how serious do you guys think this is, and what are your just takeaways from it?
1: We talked about we talked about this a little with Mike Waters when he came on last week, uh, if i if I remember correctly. Uh, and I, I think that um, I kind of have the same approach to this that I have with uh, with Marek Dolai not playing center. Like I'll believe that Syracuse is gonna play man when they play man. I'll believe that Marek Dolezal is not going to play center when I see him not playing center. Um, And I think Mike brought up the point last week of um, when they move Buddy down to the three, the lineup is is a little, you know, Buddy on the back line. You don't necessarily want that, so maybe that's the scenario. Again, I'll believe it in a game that matters when I see it in a game that matters. I I think that was the key at the very end there. You said a game that matters. I,
3: I could see Tommy... Them experimenting a little bit with the man-to-man in games that don't matter. Obviously, you know, the games over in Italy, while they were important, they obviously didn't count against their record, and they played a little man. They, just like they're going to experiment with different combinations on the floor, different guys at different positions, and, you know, some of the younger guys might get some extra time. Against, like, Seattle, Cornell, could I see them, you know, building a 20-point lead and, and trying some things out? I could see it. But I think Seth hit it there uh, at the end. We, we know the bread and butter of this team and this program, in uh, this coaching staff is is the two three zone. So when push comes to shove, in the important games, uh, you know Virginia's right off the bat. As we know, they, you know they play Iowa in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. They've got a road trip to Georgetown, so on and so forth. I think in the the early games that that matter, the more difficult games in the non conference, the trip to the Barclays Center. I think you're going to see forty minutes of zone, frankly. Um, In some of the lesser games, might they play a little man-to-man to to experiment? I I suppose that's a possibility.
1: And let's not forget, they do different things in the zone, and I think the best example of that is the game that they played at Duke last year. If you remember, for uh, 39 minutes and 20 seconds, the zone last year at Duke was packed in, which is not normally what Syracuse does. And they said, hey, Duke, go shoot threes. Hey, Jack White, go 0 for 10. R.J. Barrett, put up every shot that you want. And they welcomed... That opportunity. Uh, Duke had a terrible shooting night. And then on the last possession, if you remember this one, the last possession of that game against Duke, they flipped. And they went and they attacked the ball. And they said, RJ Barrett, you're not getting a three off on this possession. Uh, you know, Zion Williamson isn't getting the ball on this possession. And I think that it, like, that's a really interesting thing to me. Yeah, they play the 2 3 zone all the time, but there are different ways of doing it. And I think that that game in particular kind of. Um, You know, exemplified that the best in recent memory for me.
3: To to borrow a phrase from Jerry, he says says it all the time during the season. KYP, know your personnel, right? I mean, they knew the personnel going into that Duke game. They executed defensively exactly the way way they wanted to. They said, "Listen, we're not going to let certain guys beat us." Even though you know Zion still played well. Um, you, you said beat us from the outside and he did and then Jack White you know couldn't make a three I think they put up 43 threes if I'm not mistaken in that game yeah, and they, and they uh, shot
1: like 20 something percent I, I want to say it
3: was like nine for 43 whatever, whatever it was uh it was not good they, they knew their personnel they they had a strategy and and yeah absolutely so we know that that's what this team does um and so in the games that matter I think you're going to see 40 minutes of zone but you know, they might experiment in the non-conference against the lesser teams. I think it's a possibility. Seth, I know you said you're going to go with the uh,
2: "I'll believe it when I see it" sort of thing towards this, but I'll say on a scale of one to ten, how serious do you even take that he'll play and even experiment with man-to-man this year?
1: Um, like ten being the most serious, Correct. right? Just want to yes. make sure I have this scale Correct. right. Okay. Um, I don't know, like a two, right? Like a one a two, somewhere around there. Yeah. I mean, is it possible that it happens? Sure. They played man-to-man a couple of years ago on the on the Andrew White-John Gillen team. Like, it's not unheard of. Um, I just don't really think that they'll do it. And they only did it then because it was a last-ditch effort. Like, that that team was so terrible defensively that they were like, yeah, sure, let's see what happens here. Um, it didn't really help. And, and I think that um, this year it would be for different circumstances, but I, I'll... I'll I'll believe it when I see it in a, in a in a real game that that really has consequences. I
2: think the reason that they would do it is to get shooting on the court and and like you and Mike Waters said, it we even saw it in Italy. It's when Buddy Beheim moved to the three that they that they started to play man to man because they didn't want it at the bottom of the zone and that's because Joe Girard is the guy the shooter you want to bring off the bench there, and you don't want him playing point guard at least right now. So. But I don't even know if, if, could Buddy Boeheim even play the three in man-to-man defensively? Like, that's still even a challenge, I, I, th- I would say, for Buddy Boeheim, if not as much as playing the bottom of his zone. Because yeah, we have uh, seen guard, bigger guards, and he's six he's six. I mean, we've seen Malachi Richardson basically the same size play the three. We've seen Elijah Hughes play the three. I know they're probably more athletic than Buddy, but we've seen that size player play a the more, bottom they, of the zone recently.
1: They hit a little more on them sure buddy does sure too i mean that factors in
2: okay and and i'll move on here to carly lloyd she is actually considering making a move to the nfl and becoming a kicker and she's doing this because a there was a viral video came out of her hitting a 50 plus yard kick and she's actually getting looks from she got a preseason offer from a team and she's getting looks from nfl teams who are, are seriously considering being interested in her as well
1: Yeah, I think this story is really interesting. Uh, She hits a 55-yarder at Eagles practice. Uh, Teams were asking if she wanted to come out to a preseason game on Thursday night. I think everybody in the league plays on Thursday night. Um, But it matches up with, like, a Team USA friendly, so she can't do it. Uh, You know, or or whatever the the circumstances might be. Maybe maybe the game is the next day, so it wouldn't work out. Um, But it's really intriguing, isn't it? I mean, there's no reason why she couldn't be an NFL kicker. Uh, there's no reason why that couldn't work. Um, it, it just kind of depends on if she wants to give it a shot. Hey,
3: had she ever? And I don't. I don't know the answer to this. Do you know the answer so the to this? the first topic? time. Hey, is that like? Was that just like beginners? Listen, she's got a strong leg. I'm saying, has she? Has she ever tried kicking field goals in the past? Like, does she have experience doing it, or did she just happen to nail a
1: 50-yarder? <laughs> she certainly sure looked were... like
2: she knew what she was doing in the video. Okay.
1: She did. I mean, she took the steps back. She was so at she, the right place. I, she looked this. like she knew what she was doing. I, I think if
3: she has some training in it, then then maybe there's some legs to this. To, you know, not, no pun intended. I mean, may, maybe maybe this is a possibility if she has some training. If it was just one of those things that she's got a strong leg and that one that they were filming, she happened to kick it straight and it went through. Then it's you know it's it's not going to happen. But. It, it is intriguing. I mean, she's obviously got a super strong leg and uh, has the skills. I mean, anyone who can—we've we, seen, you know,
1: fans at the dome try to make a, a 25-yarder and it doesn't go well. To, Do you remember we did it? We did it yes. last year. Guy was so confident. He was like, "I haven't practiced, but I got this." And then it like didn't get off the ground. Yeah,
3: that, I mean, that's always the, that's the trouble, right? They they always have a tough time getting. It, it's either like it, it dribbles along the ground or or, you know, or they make it. Usually right. is what happens. Um, but yeah, if she's got some training, you know, why not? I don't see a reason why it can't happen. I just I I don't know enough about it to know if this is really a thing or if it's just because of a viral video and it's it's getting some publicity.
1: It's the new market inefficiency, Steve. I mean, just go find soccer players. Look at Andre Schmidt. It was his second year kicking footballs, and he and He's he was good and, at it, and, and was kicker of the year in, in college football. Um, no, but uh, you know, on a, on a serious note, you you kind of wonder, right? Like like soccer careers are kind of sort of over by the time you're like 32, 33. Um, like second careers. I, I mean that's. Back in the year 40s. Yeah, I mean, look at Adam Adam right. Vinatieri. Right. I saw a stat, and this is going to make Tommy sad. So I apologize on the front end, Tommy. Thank you. Um, Adam Vinatieri made his first NFL kick when Andrew Luck was six years old. <laughs> Just hearing the name and Andrew Luck makes and me he's sad. Gonna, and he's going to be kicking next year. Like this is it's it's crazy. He's, he's insane. Yeah, but you know, to that point, you can kick forever. He's been in the
2: league longer than most rookies have been alive. Yes. Uh, And I might be analyzing this a little too much with Carly Lloyd, but she's 37 years old, so she's she's nearing the end of her soccer career. We even saw it in the World Cup where she came off the bench most, if not all, of the games. So it is maybe time for her to find a different career path, and maybe the different career path is sticking with sports and finding... And being a kicker in the NFL. Like, Deciding not... to
3: pick up the NFL at right. the age of 37. Because <laughs> right. that's not an old,
2: like, you can kick, like you just said, Adam Vinatieri's 46 years old and still cooking. You can kick into your 40s in the NFL. So she, she might be in better
1: shape than Adam Vinatieri, too. <laughs> right. I mean, like, she does a lot more on the soccer field than he does on the football field. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think there's any
3: question about that. It would be very interesting, very compelling to watch. It would be very cool. All right, Tommy, uh, we got to take our final time out. We'll wrap up the show right after this on ESPN Radio.